WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. It's coming up on 821, and got my next guest here uh, all set and ready to go. And uh, uh, once again, joining me here this Saturday morning is Tackle Terry Tuma. Good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? I'm doing just great. The sun is shining. Well, that's uh, that's always a good thing. <laughs> yes, it sure is. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, here I, I know we were gonna and and a little backstory here for the listeners that we're gonna have you on last week. Unfortunately, the uh, the flooding situation kind of prevented that a little bit. But I uh, uh, just wanted to see how uh, first of all how how you guys <laughs> faring up there and uh, how how are things going for you? They're going very well. Uh, uh, we uh, were uh, somewhat affected by the flood situation, but not to the point where we had to relocate or anything like that. So in in the long run, and that's what you get when you live on the river, mm-hmm. Kevin, as you well know, and so we're really um, coming out very, very good. Just that, of course, the fishing is going to be delayed, uh, delayed because of the access is being flooded and shut down, yeah. but the water can recede so quickly that, you know, we can anticipate on some, I think, some real good fishing coming up here in the near future. Well, that's, uh, and that's, uh, that's definitely a good uh, across the, the board there, too. And, and I was going to ask you, too, I, I know just in, in covering the, the flooding here and all the, the aspects of that, you know, you just, just this time with, with the conditions such as they are right now, boy, I, I, you know, it, it just doesn't sound or seem, very prudent or wise to be even thinking about getting out in a boat right now. Well, yeah, that's right. In fact, I heard some comments, Kevin, uh, and I can't speak to this, you know, 100%. Is it true? Is it not true? But that it, you, you should try to avoid fishing the river system or being on the river system uh, due to the high water, the fast current, and also all the deadheads. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, and it's, it is amazing what the, uh, what the floodwaters will, will churn up and, and, Put into the channel, yeah. I mean, you you see some really large trees and and uh, all manner of things uh, floating down the river these days, and um, yeah, that's just not something that uh, uh, you want to deal with again. Like you mentioned, that current and and uh, everything, it's just not uh, just not safe all the way around. Well, that's right. You know, and I someone was telling me the other day, you know, it's it's fine if all these trees and objects float down the river system, but just so they don't anchor, you know, on the bottom somewhere, mm-hmm. and then somebody rams into or hits them with your outboard. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, it's just, you know, that's, Mother Nature is shifting things around once again, and what uh, I'm sure folks uh, are used to out there, I'm sure that's, that it, it's, it's a dynamic river, it's changing all the time. That's right, and we just have to be cognizant of you know those changes. Uh, for sure, you don't want to run about ninety or eighty miles an hour across that river bottom river, and in anticipate you're not going to hit anything. But that's not the case. You got to be very, very aware. The best is to you know um, cut the throttle back down and just be very, very observant of anything that you may see mm-hmm. uh, just sticking up out of the water. Yeah, and and like. I keep thinking of the movie Titanic and the iceberg. You know, you only saw part of the iceberg uh, sticking out of the water. You just can't tell most of the time what's actually underneath the water and what looks small is, you know, could be a a very large tree just under the water surface there that you're never going to see until you're you're right there on it. Exactly right. Yep. Or 
till you go over it. You know, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because so many times you'll see, you know, pieces of wood or whatever it may be just below the uh, surface. You don't even see them till you hit them. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really advise driving slow on the yep. uh, river system at this time of the year. Yep. And uh, it'll get back to normal here uh, shortly. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, for the time being, just uh, safety is always, well, we always talk about safety, but it's... Uh, uh, even more so this uh, uh, with the conditions that we have right now. So, I, oh yes, yeah, and you know, and it's something to really pay attention to. Uh, I've uh, heard people telling me that what their experiences, not only on the river system, but where they hit an object that they did not know was there, like a rock or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, all the tackle flying around, uh, some of the uh, people being shifted in the boat. Yeah. Uh, it just, you know, there's a lot of factors. I've seen, well, this was a hunk of ice for somebody uh, on the Mississippi where somebody sheared off the bottom half of their motor, a new, brand-new rig. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of factors here that we really need to... Just be cognizant of, and just use common sense is really all it amounts to. Well, and the other and the other thing too is, is that you, you talked about things getting thrown around, or, or you know, heaven forbid somebody gets thrown out of the boat. I mean, that water, you know, we're we're not in summer right now. The water is, you know, still about uh, you know upper forties here in in our area, around fifty. So uh, that water is <laughs> is still pretty darn cold. Oh, yes, and that's, you know, getting thrown in the water, flight jacket on and so forth, that's hypothermia time. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, uh, you wouldn't normally think about that, but, I mean, really, 50-degree water, yeah, it's it, it will set in uh, uh, relatively quickly. But uh, it, it, So, yeah, but I think let's just let's kind of shift gears and, and talk a little bit about, uh, about fishing here. And, and I guess what can we sort of look forward to here? You, you, you kind of touched on it. Uh, at the beginning of the conversation here uh, about, you know, I think we've got some good fishing ahead. What uh, what sort of things are, are you seeing and, and sort of looking forward to? Well, I think definitely, as we all know, the jigging, jigging minnow or leech is always very, very productive, especially at, at this time frame or the early part of the season uh, is extremely productive. And then, of course, a long lining and then with the lead core and then casting and trolling crankbaits. Those are the, what, the three or four main methods to use to catch fish. And jig fishing right now, you know, with the flooded uh, water, you know, tossing jigs up in some of the trees and so forth can be extremely, extremely good good results. So these are some of the facts. I, here again, too, uh, we need to uh, move around on, a, on the river system looking for, you know, points, sand points, um, break lines, uh, wing dams, of course. Uh, these are all factors, you know, and really it's what breaks the current. But do some, uh, you know, just because you go to one spot that you caught fish last year doesn't mean it's going to hold fish this year. So really keep uh, moving around. And one thing I, I should mention, Kevin, too, is I just sort of came up with a term. I call it a lure rotation. And what that is, is that pre-rigging your rods according to where you're going to be fishing, what you're going to be fishing for, and then lay those on your deck. 
You know, maybe mm-hmm. one's going to be a jig, maybe one live bait rig, maybe one casting crankbait or whatever. Have sort of a pattern, have those pre-rigged, and then go to your number one spot and work all those lures and then go to a number two spot, number three spot, but work all those lures. Don't just try a jig and a minnow, for instance, and but keep rotating that. And it goes not only at this time of year, but throughout the open water season, on the river or any body of yep. water. And if we don't do that, we're not going to be very successful. And then always remember, maybe you picked up a water or a smallmouth in one spot or a couple of fish in one spot and then they really shut down or you felt that you worked a, a ton is you can always go back to that number one spot and repeat the process mm-hmm. yep exactly and 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 I, I like that I like that idea and I, I like that concept too uh, especially since I think probably for the next uh, for the foreseeable future anyway probably in the next three, four weeks maybe, or, what, you know, we're going to be dealing with high water. So those fish maybe are going to be in some, some different areas. So having all that stuff, uh, having all that gear prepped and, and, and ready to go certainly will, uh, uh, will save time in the, in the long run. Yeah, it really does. And I think what happens, Kevin, too, when we don't do that, if you watch some of the National Bass Tournament pros that tour the country, uh, they always have their rods pre-wriggling on the deck. And I think it's something we need to do for all species of fish. Uh, we don't have to be fishing a tournament, uh, just uh, a regular day outing on the inland lake or the river system. And what it really does, it, it stops us from you know, scratching our head, should I try this? Should I tie this on? Should I try this on? What about maybe this spot I should check? Maybe that spot I should check. We should have that all sort of formulated ahead of time, and it's going to provide us much more success, and then we're going to feel good about ourselves if we work the system thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Yep, if if you, you work through that rotation and, uh, uh, you know, find some success. And the other thing, too, is, is certainly, you know, uh, you know, if you've got, you know, four or five rods rigged up with different different things, you know, and and <laughs> always seems to hold true. What what works maybe in one spot, uh, you know, a certain kind of crankbait or something, certainly isn't necessarily guaranteed to work in another. I mean, it's it, different structure. I mean, you, you know, you, you've, you've got to be able to put in that uh, uh, time and, and effort to, uh, to to thoroughly check all those all those lures to see what happens to be working that day. Oh, you're exactly right. And it's just amazing how that can change from hour to hour, as you mentioned, from one location to the other. And, you know, we should spend, you know, go to a location, I've said this so many, many times, uh, is that, you know, not only on a river, but any body of water, mm-hmm. any species of fish, you know, if the fish aren't in that one area, don't give up. Uh, go to the next spot. But also, too, is spend enough time in that one specific location to thoroughly check it. And I'll give you a good example. We were fishing mm-hmm. in a river. And an angler came up. This was he was at the end of the wing dam. He dropped the trolling motor down, fished it for about five minutes, and then moved on. And we were catching a lot of fish just outside the wing dam. And so there again, too, we've got to give it some time. Don't be in such a hurry, but be in enough of a hurry to check it thoroughly with different baits, different lures, and then move to the next spot. You know, I think part of it our society is a immediate results. We don't get them. We go on to the next spot, or we load up the boat. Yep. Yeah, ex- attention spans certainly have uh, uh, decreased, uh, <laughs> and and certainly as uh, you know, the younger generation matures and and gets you know their attention spans are are very short to begin with, and with everything that's going on in the world, uh, even getting sh- you know getting shorter and shorter all the time. So uh, you bring yeah, up a good point. 
Yeah, it really is. And I've seen it so many on um, fishing for sunfish, fishing for crappies or river walleyes, whatever is where people aren't catching fish, Kevin, and they're loading up the boat in two, two and a half hours. There is no way in the world that you can fish that, third, that body of water thoroughly with different baits and different lures. We've got to work at it. We've got to give it some exper- uh, you know, experiment. And sure, some days are going to be tough. You know, that's mm-hmm. fishing. Uh, but if you work at it, you're never going to get off the body of water without a fish. Yep, exactly. And, you know, and, and the other thing, too, is is uh, just the thought of, of going back, you know, if, if you've had success in one particular area, you know, and, and it kind of tapers off and you move on to the next area, yeah, just, you know, think about going back and, and trying to get, trying it again. Obviously, there was something there that uh, was, was putting those fish in that particular area. So, again, going back and, and working it, uh, it, it certainly makes sense. It really does. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, don't always give up on that one spot. Uh, it, you know, work, you know, maybe you pick out four or five spots on a lake or on a river system or backwaters, whatever, and, you know, work that spot and you caught a couple of fish and then, you know, they really shut down or you feel they uh, relocated. You can always go back to that spot, as you mentioned. Very good uh, comment. And we can always go to that spot. Is it going to be productive? Yes, maybe it can and maybe it will not. But at least you're uh, checking it out just to make sure that the fish haven't moved up into that specific mm-hmm. spot. And, and now that we're, and, and I'm guessing that we're going to be dealing with this high water, like I said, you know, for a, a while uh, as we, we go on here, you know, what sort of, again, you, you touched on current breaks and you, you mentioned wing dams. Uh, are there other types of structure, like, you know, certain points or areas that, that you're kind of looking at that, uh, uh, that, seem uh, you know attractive to you when when we have these kinds of of high water conditions and and obviously you know water clarity is playing a role in that as as well uh, again what sort of structure and, and places are are you looking for uh to maybe get things going well definitely you know some of the points can be very productive sand points can be good uh, uh, inside turn of a break line or inside turn of a, a point, also extremely productive. Uh, I do like to fish clam beds. Uh, if you know where they're located on the river system, that's also uh, can be a good holding area. And then, two, you know, uh, we fish a lot of inside turns of, of points, Kevin. That can be very good. Also, outside turns. Uh, wherever the current is not, you know, real, real swift, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, the ed- edges of riprap areas where it starts to drop down. Uh, riprap itself can be uh, very productive. And the biggest factor here uh, with uh, fishing, even along some trees laying in the water and so forth. Some of these areas that provide that current break can be very, very good. But also, too, you know, just because it's a good-looking location to our eyes, uh, there has to be food in that specific area. If not, you're not going to be very successful. And so, therefore, then, is use your electronics, uh, tra- mark these uh, areas, mark these fish, and then proceed fishing. Yep, exactly. And, uh, um and and you know how much are the uh, to kind of follow up on that how much are the uh, the bait fish uh you know in these high water slash flooding situations how much are they going to be moving around as well i mean uh, i guess i just, i was kind of think of it as is when we get the, these kinds of situations there's just so much more area to cover uh than than say during a, a regular or normal uh river system, if you will, as opposed to what we've got now with, with everything sort of flooded out and will be for the next several weeks. 
Yeah, well, that's right. And, you know, they're going to you know, try to stay a little bit out of the current themselves. And I should also mention you when you asked me the previous question, Kevin, is, you know, we've caught a lot of fish pitching jigs up in the trees. Uh, here again, too, you got to use, you know, got to be careful so you don't hit anything with your uh, boat and motor. But you can have some great success uh, doing that. Uh, many times just uh, a jig with plastic can be extremely productive. As you mentioned, you know, use colors that are going to be uh not blending in with the uh, water clarity itself, something that's going to be a little bit more visible. But there's so many places, so many uh, areas. Generally speaking, a good rule, a rule of thumb is on a river system, high water, you want to fish uh, closer to shore. Low water, you want to fish further out. And average uh, water levels is in normal uh, fishing locations. So, therefore, then, if we keep that in mind and work with the current breaks and also, too, uh, and the current breaks, you know, are very obvious. You know, it just, you know, but there again, too, we've had some great success, but not at this time of the year, but throughout the open water period where you have uh, the wind uh, pounding a point, for instance. Uh, those fish can be up in those areas, and you're going to see a lot of um, I call them break lines, Kevin, where all of a sudden it's uh, 4 feet and drops down to 10, 12 feet. And this is where your electronics uh, really can be extremely productive uh, marking these fish. If you don't mark any fish, then you probably don't want to waste a lot of time. However, I feel that is on, under normal water temperatures, or I should say water levels, uh, these fish will move in out uh, seeking food. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, Terry, I'm going to take a short break, and we'll we'll continue the conversation here in a moment. But I just want to take a, a, a short break, and uh, we will be back in just a few moments with more with Tackle Terry Tuma here on this Saturday morning as WKTY Outdoors continues on WKTY 96.7 FM, 5:80 AM. It's coming up on 8:38. WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. It is 841 and back on the phone here with uh, Tackle Terry Toomey here this morning. And, uh, uh, yeah, we've just, we were kind of talking a little bit about the weather and everything uh, during the break here. And one of the things that uh, I, I kind of we were talking about here, too, is is how, uh, you know, dealing with these conditions, um how do you make adjustments in terms of your equipment? Because obviously you've got to you've got to do things a little bit differently, especially with the currents and and water color clarity and and things along those lines. That uh, those, those dealing with those factors. Well, that's right. That's really a good question. One is use a uh, jig heavy enough. Forget about your your eighth of an ounce jig. Use a jig heavy enough to be in contact with the bottom for vertical jigging. That's number one. And you know, and you may have to step up to a much heavier jig. And the same thing if you're going to do any live bait rigging. Uh, the same thing is making sure that you're in contact with the bottom, and you've got to get that bait and our lure in that strike zone. If not, we're not going to catch any fish. Mm-hmm. And then vary your jigging actions, too. If you watch anglers in on any body of water, if it's black or wherever it may be, uh, they're vertical jigging up, down, up, down, up, down. Many, many times we want to drag the jig on the bottom. Many, many times we want to bring it up two inches off the bottom, just hold it steady, and the middle now becomes a, a tractor and also the trigger. So there's a lot of factors. And work with different hooking methods of, of uh, which 
instrumentals too, through near the tail, through the head, through the lips. These are all factors, minor details, but very productive. Well, and and the other thing too, you you you, you kind of again jog my memory on on this as well. You know, in terms of line, you know, given these conditions too, you know, do you? I'm guessing you don't necessarily want a line that has a lot of you know stretch and and give. You want something uh, that you know when you need when you need to make that hook set, you can. Make it quickly and, and easy without that line sort of stretching out a little bit. Yeah, fluorocarbon works ideal for this. Generally speaking, uh, Kevin, I'll use ten, uh, eight pound fluorocarbon on spinning rod and reels. Uh, that, you know, for one, it's got uh, minimal stretch, extremely sensitive, and really reduce visibility to the fish. So there's a lot of plus factors. Now, if for some reason that you need to step up, say if you're losing a lot of fish and you've got everything, you know, the hooks are sharp. You're setting the hook correctly, but you feel that uh, you've got a little bit too much stretch, go to a fire line. If you've got uh, where you're feeling that the fish are shaking off, is go to mono. Uh, here again, too, but your rod plays such a role in this. And then, too, you know, you need to really firmly set the hook. Many times when I've got a walleye or a sauger on, uh, and if it's a nice fish, I'll set the hook more than once, maybe sometimes once, twice, or even three times to make sure that I've got a good hook set. Too many times I see fish being lost because they don't properly set the hook. Maybe they got a rod that uh, doesn't, uh, shall we say, qualify for the uh, jigging presentation they're using. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's too soft. Maybe it's too stiff. These are all factors that, you know, the line, the rod, and the reel, all are tools along with the baits and lures for us to catch fish. Well, it's an interest, that is an interesting point is, is that, you know, even on that, you know, initial hook set, if you will, it may not be, uh, you know, where exactly it needs to be. So, yeah, kind of re, resetting that hook set to be, you know, uh, taking a, a second or third attempt or whatever at it. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, Kevin, especially with Sauger, you know, on Lake of the Woods or on the river systems, a lot of times they have a tendency to bite short. And what you can do uh, is, and even with wise, what I'll do if I'm, these fish are biting short, uh, I'll just drop the rod tip down, uh, just a speck to let them chew on it. And if some of these, and, and also too, just wait and let them chew on a little bit. If that doesn't work, then you need to go to a stinger hook, which I really try to avoid. I feel that unnecessary hardware does deter the fish itself. And then also too, it can pick up uh, dead debris that's uh, yeah. close to the bottom. But what we need to do, and VMC, by the way, has just come out with a stinger hook uh, set up with a little bit of a blade on it. So it's going to be interesting to see how productive that is. But here, too, again, you know, if you need to, then go to a stinger hook. But many, many times, try to avoid it if you possibly can. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, uh, making sure that, that you know, uh, a hook set, isn't necessarily a good hook set, you know, and, and, and try that again. One other thing, and shifting gears just a, a little bit here, too, um, and was, you know, trolling for, for crankbaits and, and uh, using the, the right line. Let's talk a little bit ab- about that. What, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that? I know you're, it was in response to a question that you'd, you'd gotten uh, elsewhere uh, regarding uh, trolling. 
Yes, and you're right. Um, and that is a, a question that uh, I think so often people try avoid or they just assume, well, we'll just go out and throw crankbait with monoline or whatever it is. Well, first of all, use a line counter reel. Uh, and I use longer rods, uh, telescopic rods with a, a much a softer tip, if you will. And generally speaking, I'll start, if I'm going to be long lining, uh, is I use a 10-pound test fire line. And then also, too, but I do connect six feet of 10-pound fluorocarbon or mono with a black barrel screw. I don't use a nail nut or any other kind of connection. I have not seen any difference in using that barrel swivel. Mm-hmm. But what the thick, uh, the thin diameter, excuse me, of braid does, it lacks stretch, of course, but also allows cranks to run deeper and a little bit more action out of those. Now, lead core, generally speaking, and lead core, by the way, works right now. I've learned lead core from an old-time angler many, many, many years ago, and he would let core from ice out to freeze up and always caught fish. And generally speaking, a 12 to 15-pound lead core works on all bodies, but not just the river system. And then, two, uh, here again, you want to attach 10 feet of 10-pound uh, mono or fluorocarbon right. uh, to minimize the shock. And here again, that can be some experimentation. If you got fluorocarbon on, you're missing some fish, then switch over to mono. And if we don't use those, I call them shock absorbers, uh, if we don't use them many times, those walls will shake the crankbaits. Yeah, yeah, and and having that having that leader on of, of whatever is, is the most beneficial, yeah, is uh, is very critical to uh, to success uh, when you're when you're trolling. Yeah, it really is. And line counter reels are for either long lining or running cranks, Kevin. I uh, should running crank with a lead core is so important because what this does. Now you can say you caught a uh, wall at a specific uh, depth. Now you know exactly what depth that crankbait was running, and then also how much line you had out. So there's a lot of guesswork that's eliminated. Yeah, you can use a line, uh, you know, the uh, segments of uh, lead core color and so forth. But with long lining, also with fire line, you need to know exactly where you caught that last fish. And our job is to duplicate that specific uh, mm-hmm. uh, location where these fish are at. Yep, and. Uh... Uh, repetition is uh, is something that we we kind of talk around a little bit, but yeah, it's you know if, if it works once, you know, try it again until uh, until it doesn't. But uh, uh, you know, give it give it a give it that other second, third, fourth try, if you will. Yeah, you're, that's right. And duplication is always, you know, a big plus uh, factor for no matter what species. If we're fishing for crappies or sunfish or whatever, the bass doesn't make any difference. But if you caught one fish on this depth, this way, this how, or whatever it may be, we need to duplicate that. So often we uh, forget about it. You know, I also, and I think you and I talked about this in the past, life. if I'm casting crankbaits, Kevin, uh, or even plastics for bass, or even for wallet, I'll watch to see if there's any fish follows. Uh, I'm constantly watching for that. And if, it, if I do see that, does that mean I need to slow down, uh, speed up the retrieve, uh, do something a little bit different, uh, maybe run the uh, crankbait to the side or the plastic more to the side, swing the rod tip back uh, from side to side, uh, something to change direction. These are all factors that we really need to be cognizant of when we're in the boat. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, it, and again, it's... It's those subtle changes that that will sometimes, you know, be just that right factor that uh, uh, will set you up for success. 
Oh, that's right. And you know, and, and you mentioned it's going to be such minor changes like lure color, retrieve speeds, casting angles. Uh, you know, when I'm using a fire line, uh, long lining, or lead uh, lead core, what I'll do, Kevin, is I'll just grab the line ahead of the reel and pull it forward real quickly, and then let it uh, pop fat back. Uh, immediately and what that does is change speed and direction of that lure many times that'll trigger a bite mm-hmm. yep and just uh again you know it it, it is those um, it really is those those subtle little things um especially you know as you're getting if you're getting follows but no hits it's just making those just those little subtle changes just something to uh make it a little bit different uh to entice that uh, entice that fish. Um, one of the, uh, one of the other things that we, we touched on during the break too, and, and we'll touch on this before I forget, uh, is uh, uh, different types of, of baits. You're talking about minnows and, and leeches here just a little bit during the break. Expand on that a little bit and, and share your thoughts on that. Well, minnows are always very, very productive. You know, generally speaking, at this time, there's going to be fatheads, mm-hmm. uh, minnows, and, you know, and I really prefer the ones that are about two and a half to three and a half inches in length. And so that's uh, a preferred uh, um, with jigs. But also, two leeches can work very well with a jig, and especially with three-way swivel systems on the river system. Uh, so don't forget, what, what I'll do, especially if I'm fishing alone, Kevin, I'll run uh, a three-way swivel rig and then also a jig. And it's so many, many times that that uh, leech will pick up on a three-way, will pick up a fish uh, while jigging. So here again, too, you know, keep an open mind, try a couple of different uh, uh, ways of catching fish. Then all of a sudden, if I'm catching a lot of fish, on a, on a, a leech and a three-way, then I'll stay with that and forget the jig and minnow. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And and, and uh, you you brought up another thought and, uh, is uh, obviously with the conditions that we're experiencing now, the um, water clear things along those lines, especially things like scent will also play uh, a, a big role in in success as well. You know that the scent of that leech or minnow uh, in in you know, very dirty water conditions can, you know, uh, is, is, is so important. It really is. And that's a good, uh, good point, Kevin. Yes. You know, uh, fish have to identify their food source. That's number one. Uh, that's going to be true, uh, through a movement, uh, to the lateral line, through sight, through hearing and through scent. You know, if there's negative scent on your bait, uh, that is going to be really a deterrent to catch these fish. There's been tons of studies done uh, in regards to that. You know, some of the negative scent factors are nicotine is uh, number one. Uh, you know, catching a pike uh, with that uh, uh, scent on it, that's a predator-prey relationship. You need to get your hands clean. You need to make sure that that crankbait or that jig is clean or tied new on, preferably. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with that, too, is a lot of times, you know, you fill up the boat with gas. you got some gas on your hands, um, not obviously now, but suntan lotion is a major deterrent. Uh, there's a lot of factors here. You know, what, what we have to do is try to understand how these fish survive in the water. And so, therefore, then we have to put everything in our plus factor uh, in cognizance of what's happening out there. And then, too, we're going to catch fish. I had, and I don't, maybe I mentioned this uh, some time ago, I had, uh, we were fishing with uh, uh, an individual in the boat, at his boat, 
mm-hmm. and he was very aware that he might have contaminated with his hands. He did not have any scent in the boat, so I told him to go in the minnow bucket, and this sounds sort of gross, but take that minnow and squash it, squish it, and rub that on your hands to minimize the negative scent. <laughs> it does sound a little a little nasty, but it, it, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it truly yeah, it does. Really, yeah. <laughs> It really it is. It does sound nasty, but it it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, just masking those uh, negative scents that uh, uh, with, with something that's uh, more natural, if you will, or you know, get your hands in the uh, uh, in the worm container and and uh, get some of that dirt on you. And, and uh, um, I, I think if people were on on shore watching, they might think that's a little funny. But or if they're not fishermen, they might find that a little weird. But Oh, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it does it does make perfect sense. Well, it does, too. And, you know, so often, too, we are all been told and maybe almost to the point of being brainwashed about scent, uh, you know, being an attractant. Yes, it can be an attractant to a certain point only, but I think more important, Kevin, is what I do so many times is if I feel that there's any kind of contaminant on my on my hands, I'll take that scent and apply it to my hands like lotion and rub that in. Now that becomes a mask for unwanted odors. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And uh, anything else, Terry? Uh, we're kind of up. I'm going to running up against my uh, my end break here, but anything else that uh, that you want to touch on or share this morning uh, as it as it re- in regards to you know dealing with the high water uh, and dealing with uh, you know the these challenge more challenging fishing conditions. Well, I think there's a couple of words that really summarize this is patience and persistence uh, and keep an open mind versatility. If we do that and, and don't give up, I, I see so many times where people just fish one spot, move to the next, next, and you know, as I mentioned earlier, then the boat goes on the trailer, uh, is that we got to work at it and, and have a positive attitude with a lot of confidence in your bait and yours, what you're doing. If not, you're not going to catch any fish. Don't waste time using a bait or a lure that you don't, you got sort of a negative approach, but I'm going to try it and we just see if it works. It's not going to work if we don't have that confidence. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, Terry, uh, as always, it's, uh, it's, it's great to talk to you here and uh, I appreciate you sharing your uh, part of your Saturday morning with, uh, with us and with the listeners here and, uh, again, uh, always great to have a conversation with you, and, and uh, always come away with uh, with some new knowledge about uh, about fishing and, and being out on the water. Well, thank you, Kevin. Likewise, it's great to visit with you and to all of our listeners. Good fishing. All right. Well, Terry, take care, and uh, uh, just we'll stay on the line here. We're going to do a few things uh, off air, but uh, uh, otherwise, uh, I've got to uh, wrap the show up for this Saturday here. So, thank you again so much for listening, and I uh, appreciate uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, We'll do it again next Saturday with another edition of WKTY Outdoors. So until then, be safe, be well, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get through all this together here with all the the flooding and everything. So anyhow, uh, we will talk to you next Saturday with another edition of WKTY Outdoors. Have a good weekend.